know this is out of my comfort zone, but we're going to do it anyway. How are y'all? We're going to go over a few announcements. I have to put my glasses on. If I miss anything, y'all just tell me. One, today's Mission Sunday in BGMC. Oh, we have kids. We're going to have BGMC. Perfect. We're going to go ahead and do that. You going to do it first? You want me to go ahead with the announcements while you get ready? Okay, let me get you a mic. Good morning, everyone. So today, the kids are going to... Doesn't he look cute with his summer haircut? <laughs> today, the kids are going to learn about Royal Rangers International. Because Royal Rangers is not just here in the U.S. It's actually overseas. And overseas, um, it's for boys and girls combined. And they, um, it's in 90 different countries with over 200 boys and girls participating and one of the really cool things one of the really cool things is that in places like Russia where the gospel is very limited the it, Royal Rangers is just growing by leaps and bounds the kids go and explore caves go rafting scale mountains and but best of all they hear about the Lord Jesus and the gospel and take it home to their parents and in a lot of these because the parents you know like in any kind of group kid activity a lot of times you have parents come that are sponsoring and helping and so they get to hear the gospel too and so it's a great way um and it's being used in all over africa all over asia um and so and in latin america as well so there is a lot bgmc provides supplies and equipment like for camping and tents and all of that in russia germany bulgaria and others translation of the materials into all the different languages and they also provide have provided funds for building conference centers and stuff in, in costa rica and in kenya and different places like that so another way of reaching kids around the world and their parents you know you read the kids a lot of times you reach the parents and kids grow up and become adult Christians and so you know kids are very important to reach and we just are thankful for programs like Royal Rangers and BGMC um, to reach the kids all around the world so um, I guess that's it we'll just pray Lord I just thank you for the opportunity to serve you in reaching the kids all around the world. We thank you, Lord, that we can partner with you and you will bless and multiply the monies that we give to bring a great harvest into your kingdom because, Lord, that's what it's all about is your kingdom being grown, being spread all around this world, Lord. So help us this day, Lord, to reach deep, not just for the BGMC offering, Lord, but also for the missions offering for today. Lord, just help us, Lord, to be sacrificial in our giving in order to spread your kingdom around this world. In the name of Jesus, amen. Y'all come up, and someone reminded me to remind y'all, it doesn't have to be just coins. It can be dollars or bigger or even a check. We'll take it all. Thank you, ma'am.
let's go over some of the announcements. Heart to Heart will meet next week on the 18th. That's a Tuesday at 6, and they meet in the fellowship hall. And it's not just for our church, so invite your friends. Come. They usually eat. Robin will have more information on that. And then Carrie Turpin, she's the young girl that sits. They're not here today. She's going to be speaking, and y'all don't want to miss her testimony. Prime Timers is April 29th. And they left, so I don't know where that's going to be. Anybody have any idea? April 29th. There'll be more information on that. Uh, men's breakfast, April 16th, 8.30 in the Fellowship Hall. And then men's Bible study is April the 1st at 8.30 in the Fellowship Hall as well. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt. And it's going to be Sunday the 9th, April 9th, during Children's Church. We'll provide the eggs and whatnot, bring the Easter baskets so invite your friends that have small children. I'm, I'm assuming it'll be out in the field, but during Kids Church on the night, correct? Okay, now y'all can stand up because we're going to start our praise and worship. Yes, Father, we just thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to come into your house, God. We thank you, Father, for all your people that you brought in these doors, God. We pray blessings on each and every one here and each and every family that's represented from the people that are here, God. We pray that your spirit just flow in a mighty way this morning, a fresh anointing on your people, God, as we praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have in store as we anticipate great things. Go ahead, Dennis. will be the only name that matters to me, the only one whose favor I see, the only name that matters to me, yes. yours will be the friendship and affection I need, oh, and I feel my father smiling on me, the only name that matters to me, y'all sing it with me, yours is a name. Yours is the name, the name that saved me, mercy and grace, the power that forgave me, and your love is all I've ever needed. When I wake up in the land of glory, with the saints I will tell my story, there will be one name that I proclaim.
just keep playing right there. Just keep declaring his name this morning. Have you got mountains this morning or giants that you need to declare his name over? His word says that he is faithful, faithful to his promise. God, we come before you this morning with mountains that seem unmovable, God. With giants that seem too big to see around, much less get over, God. Father, we lay these burdens at your feet this morning and declare the name of Jesus over each and everything brought into this building, God. We declare your name is powerful over any situation that we hinder, God. Father, just move in a mighty way this morning and let yourself be known to your people, Father. doesn't need us, but if we anticipate and if we just make room for him, then his presence will be known on a, a more personal level. He was here when we came in this room, but he's just waiting for us to invite him in. God, we invite you in this morning, God. Just have your way. Just have your way, God. We wait for you this morning, God. for a minute for God to move. Just open up your hearts and your minds this morning. Just clear your just clear your mind of any distractions, any thoughts that are just running through it. Just asking to just stop them just long enough for you to feel his presence in this place.
you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship him together. Will you join with me, Lord? We bless your name. We magnify Jesus. You are Lord of all. You are far above. You are greater than. We worship. We magnify. We glorify your name. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Would you just say that name with me, Jesus? Jesus. Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen with me? Amen, amen. Yesterday I got to speak at a men's conference in Yukon, and, and one of the things in, in my time that I did share was I find myself sometimes in situations and circumstances that I either don't know what to pray or I don't have time to pray. I don't know if you've ever been almost in a car wreck or almost into this or almost that. And I can tell you, over oh, my years of life, there have been many times that I find myself in a situation. And honestly, I don't have time to, to really kneel down on my knees and say, Lord, help me. Somebody just pulled out in front of me. I, one time, just very specific, it comes to mind, I, I hit a patch of ice. And it was like at 21st and, and Sheridan over in Tulsa. If you know anything about Tulsa, it's that's a pretty busy area. And when I hit that piece of ice, my car that I was driving did just a 360 degree turnaround. And, and all I had time to do was say, Jesus. And there's power in the name of Jesus. Uh, the great thing is when I came out of that, the car was going straight and it was like, I meant to do that. That looked good, didn't it? <laughs> no, it happened because Jesus. And Jesus answers prayer, amen. Uh, I brought my anointing oil, and we want to give Jesus an opportunity to minister to needs. We've called upon his name. We proclaim his name. And now let's receive the benefit of his name. And that is, is when we say the name of Jesus. Jesus said up in, in John, he says this. He says, up till now, you've not used my name. He said, use my name. I, I give you my name. And we can pray in his name. So if you're here this morning, you need prayer, you'd like a healing touch, you need God to minister, would you come and stand with me here? I'm gonna invite the deacons and, and also the deacons' wives and all the elders of the church. Honestly, anyone with a, with a passion for prayer, if you'd come and stand behind them and just agree together with us in prayer. We want Jesus, Jesus to minister. Uh, our pastor friend, God bless you, brother. You can come and join.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let, let's do that again. Let's just give him glory. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for every step of faith that has brought individuals to a prayer line seeking you. We know, Father, that every step they took to the front was a step of faith. We know that allowing themselves to be anointed with oil and allowing people to gather around them in prayer, that all represents faith. And Lord, we know that you honor faith. So Lord, we pray that you would bless and that Lord, you would openly and mightily and, and even very specifically minister to the need. And Lord, we're gonna come back even right now and give you the glory. We thank you, Lord, for meeting with us in this time of prayer. We thank you, Lord, for providing for us an answer. And we see Jesus, Jesus as our answer. And you receive the glory. You be honored and you be blessed. Bless the Lord. 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 God is good. Amen. I love the Lord and, and it's great to be here with you. God bless your hearts. You can be seated. God is so faithful. Amen. Amen. God is so very, very faithful. We want to receive a Sunday morning tithe and offering. Uh, ushers, if you would please prepare yourselves and thank God for his faithfulness. Anybody say amen? You know, I've literally heard some Christians in, in some churches say, you know, I don't believe in that Old Testament any longer. You know, I, I believe we're under the New Covenant. That, no test, that Old Testament is outdated and, and we're not under it. And they say the tithe. You know, the Old Testament talks about the tithe being 10%. They say, you know, I don't believe that's relevant anymore. I'm gonna tell you, when you come to the New Testament, if you remember there in Acts chapter two, it says that they went and sold all their possessions, all their land, and brought it and gave it to the church. In other words, they brought everything to the church. After, the, after those people hear that, they say, oh, wait, wait, let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's go back to the tithe. Let's go back to the 10%. I want to tell you, God's got a good plan with the tithe. You can literally live better on 90% than you can 100. Why? Because you opened yourself up to the blessing of the Lord. Um, if you would, I, uh, Pastor, brother, I'm sorry, would you stand please? Could I invite you to bless our offering, sir? Bless your heart.
Lord. God is so good, amen, amen. It's great to have our friends from Yukon here. Bless your heart. And this is your mother that we had prayer for. Okay, and you were in the men's conference yesterday, weren't you? Yeah, that, that's kind of cool for me to look back there and see somebody from my church and, and they're in our Wednesday night class and we love them and great to have them here with us here. Uh, man, it, it's a small world, isn't it, uh, that you're connected to Lone Grove. Um, it's exciting for me to be with you. Now, I am not your pastor. And a footnote with that is, I don't want to be your pastor. Um, you're going to get a pastor. Anybody say amen? You are. Um, God's timing is perfect. Now, I can tell you honestly, you're praying, I'm praying for the right pastor. I believe that when we pray, God hears and answers. Uh, right now, I can tell you, I don't know why. I don't know why it's been so long and and I don't know why it's, you've had some of the challenges associated with finding the right one. I, I believe this though. I believe that a year from now, you'll look back and you'll go, that's why. Oh, that's why. And right now we don't, but I believe God is faithful. And I believe God's still in control. I see a lot of you nodding. Some of you have gone asleep, but I, I, I believe God is still in control. I believe God's got a perfect plan. Now, with that in mind, I've, I've made a pledge to you and to the deacon board that I'll stay with you through this until you get a pastor. Because I really, I, I really want, I believe a church needs something constant. And, and you're going to have me as a constant, and I hope you like that, and I hope you'll continue to come. Um, I would like to challenge you, though, two weeks from today is Easter. And so let's don't minimize Easter because you don't have yet your pastor. Uh, let's invite people. If you look around and can kind of see people that have not been here for a while, and call them. So, uh, now, I'm not saying lie, but say, man, we got a great preacher. You know, uh, you know and try to get them to come to church. Uh, let's do everything we can. Uh, I would love to fill it up. Now, I, I'm just that kind of guy, you know, that I, I, I would rather preach to a full house than a sparse house. Amen? I, I'd, I'd love to see the church. Wouldn't it be great that when the pastor is elected and comes, that if the church is already in a revival, just, Paula, thank you for that amen. I think she's the only one. I said, wouldn't it be great if the church was in a revival? Amen. Already moving and already going forward, and now you just added a pastor to what God is doing. Amen. Let, let's pray for that. In fact, let's, as we pray for the word, because I've got a word this morning, and, and I've got a word for you this evening as well. Tonight, let me challenge you to be here, and that, uh, to, the title tonight is What Last Days Christians Need. There are some special needs that we last days Christians have. And we need to understand what that is. And tonight, that's going to be the message. Right now, this morning, here is the title of the message. It's a message from Jesus. I believe there's a message from Jesus for the church today. And I find it in Acts 26. Father, I pray your anointing upon your word. May your word come alive to every heart. Lord, I pray for these that are here in the congregation, these that are joining even by live stream, I pray that, Lord, we could hear your word. And when we see that there is a conflict, 
between our lives and your word. May your word prevail. May we be willing to obey your word. May we be willing to change according to your word. And when your word convicts us, may we allow your Holy Spirit to be able to finish the work that your word starts. And Lord, lead us and guide us into truth. So Lord, have your way through your spoken word. And Father, we pray for the future pastor of this church, that Lord, there would be the bringing together of this church and that individual. Lord, do whatever you can, and God, do whatever your will as far as bringing it from here to there. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Today, there are a, a lot of distractions attempting to take away your and my hunger for God. What I see is, is this, and that is, if you don't maintain your hunger for God, something will replace it. Something will replace that hunger for God. Just think with me, how do we exhibit our hunger for God? It's our prayer time, our Bible reading, our church attendance, all of that represents your hunger for God. And just think of how many things are trying to keep you from your prayer time, your Bible reading, your church attendance, exhibiting your hunger for God. If you're here this morning and you could, you could probably recognize what apathetic and complacent in your hunger for God is. In other words, you're no longer reading your Bible, you're no longer praying, and you're very sparse about once or twice, maybe a month in your attendance to church. I'm gonna tell you, if that describes you, then you have distractions. And there've been some distractions that come into your life and it's trying to replace your hunger for God. God's replacements are everywhere. Can you say amen? There, in our culture, in our society, there are God replacements everywhere that is trying to take away and to replace that hunger that God wants you to have in these last days and even in this church, Long Grove Assembly of God Church, even without a pastor. But with this old gray-headed guy that comes and preaches his guts out at you every week, God wants you to be hungry. When I go to Acts 26, I find a review of a man's life, and I see in this review uh, the life of Paul. If you will, you can follow along with me. You've got your Bible or look at the screen. Acts 26 and 1, Paul is standing before King Agrippa after being arrested in Jerusalem. If you remember with me, he said his heart's desire to be in Jerusalem. When he made it to Jerusalem, there he was arrested. In verse 4 of 26, Paul explains that as a youth, he was raised there in Jerusalem. He was taught under Gamil one of the most respected teachers in, Jew in Judaism there out of Jerusalem. In verse 5 of chapter 26, in his religion, Paul was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee in Judaism. In chapter 26, 10 and 11, Paul ad admitted to his zeal in persecuting the church, even to the extent of compelling believers to blaspheme and consenting to their death. If you'll notice with me that verse 11, he consented to their death. Now in this dialogue, Paul shares the spiritual condition of his life before he believed in Christ. The reality is Paul not only didn't believe in Jesus, Paul persecuted those who did believe in Jesus. He was a persecutor of the church. This is the dialogue. He's given a review of his life. 
then I see something change in, in this dialogue, and that is now Paul begins to talk about this encounter with Christ. We would call it his salvation. Uh, if you remember with me, Acts chapter 9, he's on the road to Damascus. There, there's this bright light, and now Paul in front of Agrippa is giving the details of that day. Here we get a little bit more of the dialogue of Jesus other than Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 does not give all that. I put it in red, and Acts chapter 9 does not give all this dialogue. So here we get a little bit more of the dialogue of what happened in Acts chapter 9 in this encounter between Paul and Jesus Christ. So if you will, please, verse 12. While thus occupied, in other words, while going to Damascus, with letters of intent of arresting the Christians and dragging them back to Jerusalem, with this being the occupation, with thus occupied. As I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Who's talking? Jesus. Jesus is talking to Saul in verse 16. But arise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Note that Paul's being sent to the Gentile. If you'll notice with me, verse 18, this is the message of Jesus. This is the word that Jesus gives Paul to preach to the Gentile. You are a Gentile, I'm a Gentile. This is a word from Jesus Christ. There is no greater authority in preaching and teaching than Jesus. Pausing for an amen. amen. Okay, I caught you off guard. Uh, I'm getting ready to say something that you're going to want to say amen, okay? Kind of wake you up, get you ready. Here we go. There's no greater authority in preaching and teaching than Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. There's no greater authority. So this is not preaching according to Gary. This is not preaching according to the assemblies of God. This is preaching according to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, he's the final authority. No man is the final authority. No denomination is the final authority. Jesus is the final authority. And here Jesus tells Saul, Paul, what his ministry is to be. He's to preach to them, verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to, I think it's understood, the power of God turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and receive an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Thus says Jesus. And I got to say, amen. And in this one verse, I find three points 
which represents the message of Jesus for the church today. If you will, please go with me. Here's the first point. Number one, open your eyes. It's time for we, the church of Jesus Christ, to get our eyes open. And it's not, not for the sleeping. And when I preach, if somebody falls asleep, I just say, leave them alone, let them get a good nap. Uh, it's not that. It's not saying open your eyes because your eyes are closed physically. It's talking about spiritually. Spiritually, open your eyes. Uh, verse 18, notice with me. Uh, open eyes refers to two things spiritually. One is spiritual awakening. The church has gone spiritually asleep. Another is spiritual understanding. The church doesn't understand what's happening. It's time to open your eyes. Are you with me? That's what it represents. Take on the first one, spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding is coming out of a sleep that has resulted in not seeing God as He is and not seeking God as you should. And I believe that is a good message to the church. Church, you need to get your eyes open and start seeing God for who He is and start seeking God as you should. It's time for us to heed the message, not of Gary Rogers and not of the Assemblies of God, but heed the message of Jesus Christ. Lone Grove Assembly of God Church, it's time to get your eyes open. Jesus wants us to see God as He is and to seek God as we should. Over and over in the New Testament, we see how believers strayed from this. And I want you to see this with me because what we find is these different churches. It was the church in Jerusalem. It was the church at Corinth. It was the church at Galatia. It's the church at Philippi. When I see these, this correction to these churches, we see what can happen to Lone Grove Assembly of God Church. I see traits in these churches that could very easily infiltrate this church, Yukon Discovery Church, any other church. And what we need to recognize is the Word gives us a warning. Here's some traits of churches. These are churches are, that are, do not have their eyes open. And notice with me, if you will, please. Acts 6, 1 through 4, uh, the church at Jerusalem, the leaders had their time taken up with serving tables rather than prayer and study of the Word. I'm going to tell you, it's easy to emphasize the trivial and miss what's really important. And now deacons, I'm going to tell you, and I love the deacons of this church. I've met and been able to communicate with them. And you've got good men. But what you've got to let the deacons do is you've got to let them minister and not just be caught up with the trivial. There ought to be somebody else that cleans the toilets. There ought to be somebody else helping greet in the foyer. Thank you for those thunderous amens. There ought to be somebody else willing to roll up their shoulders and help around this church. Have you ever had your mama say, get up off your tail and get to work? You know, clean up your bedroom. You know, do what you're supposed to do. I think the Holy Spirit is trying to tell this church, you know, get up off of your blessed assurance and get to work. <laughs> Recognize you've got to get to work and you've got to help around here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and 5. If you didn't like that, you're really not going to like this one. And that's correction to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church got so caught up in spiritual competition. I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulus. And then this spiritual competition went even into spiritual gifts. Everybody had a song, everybody had a tongue, everybody had an interpretation. They were just competition. And it was a destruction of the church. There can be no competition in God's house. 
You know, uh, there was one guy that pulled up at a church where I pastored at one time, and, and when he pulled up, uh, I think it was Paula that, well, uh, I love my wife, but my wife can be really blunt sometimes. And this guy pulled up to the church, and he said, hey, tell me who the head deacon is. Paul said, we don't have no head deacon around here. There's not such a thing as a head deacon. I go, go girl. Because <laughs> that's, that's in competition. I'm head, I'm better, I'm, I'm, the big, I'm the big kahuna. No. That was the problem of the church at Corinth. They were an all-out competition. Let me tell you, church, when you're without a pastor, don't enter into competition. If you'll notice with me, Galatians, the, the Galatian church got so caught up in personal works that they strayed into a different gospel. They allowed Judaizers infiltrate the church. Uh, you read Galatians chapter 1, and, and Paul says, man, I'm worried about you because you strayed into another gospel in which there's really not another gospel. There's only one gospel. There's only one way to heaven. And the Judaizers had told them, well, you've got to have the Levitical law, you've got to keep the law and circumcision, plus, this is what they said, the law plus Christ equals salvation. And I'm going to tell you, that's a lie. It's not the law plus Christ equals salvation. It's Christ and Christ alone equals salvation. But the Corinthian church got all messed up doctrinally. They allowed these Judaizers to come in and influence them. If you will, the Philippian church, they had two ladies there fussing and fighting. These ladies, Yodi and Sintichi, they so had a conflict in the church, it made people pick sides. Okay, are you Yodi or are you Sintichi? Next thing you know, everybody in the church is fussing and fighting. Please look at me. Don't be the source of a fight in the church. We need to, we need to get, we ought to love each other more than anybody on the planet. Uh, we, we ought to be the friendliest, lovingest, kind people on the planet. Are you with me? You know, some people, you don't want to come to church because they're so hateful. You know, I, I have determined myself that I'm going to be an old gray-headed dude, but I'm not going to be a grouch. You don't have to be a grouch because you're old. Every old person say amen. You don't. And so the reality is we need to be the lovingest kind, the most love, uh, caring people on the planet. Uh, not so in the Philippian church. Now, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the Philippian church. In Christianity, it's so easy to get caught up in the insignificant and in the trivial. Spiritual awakening causes eyes to be open to see God as He is and to hunger for God as you should. So I'm going to tell you, church, it's time to get your eyes open. We're heeding the preaching of Jesus. Jesus says, Lone Grove Assembly of God, get your eyes open. Get your, have a spiritual awakening and begin to seek God as you should and see God as He is. In other words, this is what's happening. Uh, with spiritual awakening, leaders pray and study and don't get caught up in the insignificant. With spiritual awakening, spiritual competition is given no place. There's no, no competition in this house. Uh, with a spiritual awakening, the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ is held as the only way to God. There's only one name under heaven by which man must be saved, and that name is Jesus. Uh, with spiritual awakening, believers focus on Jesus and not what they don't like about one another. Uh, don't focus on what you don't like about sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. Uh, yeah, there's going to be things you don't like about them. You know, I'd say you look at me and say, boy, I don't like that about him. Okay. There's things that you don't like. About, I mean, I love my wife, but we don't agree on everything. But we get along. 
And the fact is, is this, you don't have to agree on everything to get along. Just choose not to fight about it. You need this a whole lot more than you're acting. Amen. The other side of spiritual awakening, notice with me there was two, and that is spiritual understanding. In this opening of our eyes, there's the seeing God as He is, seeking God as we should, and there's also an understanding. Spiritual understanding is coming out of a sleep that has resulted in not being aware of the current spiritual condition. They've just gone to sleep. They don't have an understanding of the spiritual condition around them. See, the spiritual condition of our world has totally opposite extremes. We have never seen this before. Uh, Pastor, Brother Pastor, I, I'm sorry. Uh, tell me your name again, sir. Duck? D-U-C-K? Wow. I got it. I, will, I would say that Brother Duck would agree with me. We've never seen it like it is today. There's never been such extremes. Scripture told us it would be this way. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about this a little bit more tonight. But if you will, on one side, Matthew 24 and 12, increasing evil and hearts becoming cold. Uh, Matthew 24 and 24, false messiahs and false prophets trying to deceive the church. And let me tell you, people, it's really escalating. Uh, I have two friends at uh, Yukon Discovery Church that do a podcast, and that podcast has just exploded. And it's like in the top 10 pod podcasts in the world. Uh, it's just amazing what's happened. And the podcast is Help My Unbelief. And, and it's a podcast for unbelievers. And they get witches on there. They get atheists on there, agnostics that come on. And when you listen to the podcast, what we're finding is we're living in a culture that there are God replacements everywhere. And so we are living out the fulfillment of Matthew 24 and 24, false gods, false Christ. In 2 Timothy 3 and 13, evil men are getting worse and worse. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3, there's a, a great falling away. I'm going to tell you, COVID-19 hurt the church big time. I, I was a pastor at the height of COVID-19 in, in, in Chickasha. And the reality is there's people that quit coming to church during COVID-19 and they've not come back yet. And they need to get themselves back in church. Can you say amen? amen. Um, if you will, spiritual understanding causes us to be aware of the world around us, of how bad it is. At the same time today, what we're seeing is, is this, according to Matthew 24 and 14, the gospel's being preached worldwide. Right now, this message is going worldwide. It's called the World Wide Web. It's called the internet. And right now, it's out there. And there'll be people that will find this maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now, maybe five years from now. Uh, one of the things I think is great is, even after the rapture of the church, there'll be people hearing this. In Acts 2 and, uh, if you will, 17, God is pouring out of His Spirit. Right now, there's revivals that are taking place all around the world. And thank God for what He's doing in, in the revivals. Uh, John 7, 37, 38, the thirsting are experiencing the flow of the living water. Jesus said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That's the Holy Spirit. 
Habakkuk 2 and 14, the earth is about to be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord. And thank God for that. That's a promise that I, I pray almost daily and I really hang on to. And that is, I long for the day when the earth is filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord. When every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's coming. It's not too far away. So Jesus wants our eyes to be open. Church, it's time to get your eyes open to the spiritual condition that's around us. It's no time to play church. It's time for us to be the church. And the reality is this Easter egg hunt, man, if, I would love for us to promote some of these outreaches, even without a pastor, because we need to do things that draw in the lost. Uh, we need to be a magnet for the lost people to come in here and hear the gospel. We had uh, roughly six, eight men accepted Jesus yesterday at a men's conference. And there are people that are hungry for the truth. They want to hear the truth. Uh, we, we have a generation now coming up, these kids at the colleges. Think with me, their parents and their grandparents. The hippies are their grandparents. If you're a, a studier of culture, I'm from the hippie generation. Okay, how many ex-hippies we got in here? Uh, there you go. Look at those hands go up. And so all of us hippies, we rebelled against everything. Are you with me? Uh, we just re rebellious. And so the hippies raised a generation, kids, and the hippies were in rebellion, and they raised these kids. And these kids, with the influence of mom and dad, began to fall away from the church. They went to church when they had to. They'd come only because mom and dad would make uh, you know, probably ask them to. But for the most part, mom and dad were rebellious. And so now the kids take that rebellion one step further. Now we have a generation of kids that are been raised outside the church. And now they're saying, what is true? I want true. And that's why we're seeing the revival in the 20 something age group. Because they want somebody to tell them the truth. Mom didn't tell me the truth. My grandparents were rebelling against everything. Uh, who's going to tell me the truth? Yes. It's an exciting time. See, you can choose what you focus on. You can focus on the negative or you can focus on the outpouring, the positive. I choose to focus on the outpouring, the positive. Yeah, I'm living in a world where there's false, pro false prophets, false Christ. Yeah, I'm living in a world and I'm a pastor at a time when, yes, there's a great falling away, but I'm not going to focus on that. I'm also living at the time that thus saith the Lord, I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will dream dreams. There, there's going to be the move of God in this hour. I choose to focus on the move of God. Can you say amen? But please, spiritual eyes open, spiritual awakening to be able to focus on God and to be able to be aware of the spiritual condition around us. Number two in the message, I see a raging war. You've got to see that there's a battle going on. This Christian walk is not a parade. It's a battlefield. You've got to understand when you became a Christian, you enlisted in an army. And the sad thing is there's so many Christians that don't know how to fight. You've got to be able to fight this battle. Notice with me what Jesus says, verse 18, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That's speaking of nothing less than spiritual warfare. There is a battle that is raging, and you've got to enter into the fight. The darkness of the enemy keeps people from seeing the truth. In the darkness of Satan's deception, there's a belief 
a belief in God is only for the uneducated and the ignorant. I'm going to tell you that's a lie. I've been so impressed by your deacon board. Uh, almost, I think every one of them's got a master's degree. Um, thank God you don't kick your brain out of gear when you come to God by faith with your heart. Yeah. Amen. In the darkness of Satan's deception, to believe that God would send his son to die for our sins is just ridiculous, unacceptable. In the deception of Satan, the belief that the Holy Spirit dwells inside every believer is seen as mystical. In the darkness of Satan's deception, belief in a literal heaven and a literal hell is beyond comprehension. It's so ridiculed. I'm going to tell you, that's the deception of the devil. We live in an age where the enemy is really at a place of escalating his spiritual attack. Revelations tells me he knows what time it is. He knows that his time is short. And in knowing that his time is short, he is attacking you. Now, I, I've told you this before, but let me tell you again, and please take it right. It, it's not an insult. The enemy don't give a rip for you, nor me, but he hates God. And I remind him of God because I'm created in the image of God. You remind him of God, and he hates God, and that's why he attacks you. And we've got to understand that there is a spiritual attack that the enemy is trying to destroy your walk with God. And he's using all the lies. Uh, John chapter 8 says he's a liar and he's the father of all lies. If his mouth is moving, he's lying. And so what he's doing is using this deception in our culture. And there is a light and a darkness. There is a spiritual battle. So people must turn from this, from the deception of the enemy. Jesus wants you to enter into the spiritual warfare. You've got to fight. You've got to fight. Uh, my message yesterday was uh, how to lose to a defeated enemy. And you can lose to a defeated enemy when you surrender, when you become a traitor, or when you enter into a treaty. Uh, and the reality is this spiritual enemy that we contend with, he's already defeated. Jesus destroyed him on the cross of Calvary. Uh, Jesus made a public spectacle of all the forces of evil triumphing over them in the cross of Calvary. Anybody say amen? And so I'm fighting a defeated foe. But I'm going to tell you, listen, look at me, please. There's no reason why you should fail Amen. because you're fighting a defeated enemy. Amen. But we have Christians dropping out of church, Christians going back into sin. We've got Christians rebelling against God. Why? Because you are surrendering. You're becoming your own worst enemy. You're becoming a traitor or you're entering into some treaty with this enemy. The enemy is lying to you. Amen. God help us. Uh, if you would, please, this is what we need to understand as the battle of the hour. And that is 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. You're given weapons in God. And in your weapons, prayer, the word of God, there's our primary weapons is the sword, which is the word of God and prayer. You're given prayer, you're given weapons by which you can pull down the strongholds of the enemy and you can cast down those imaginations, those arguments that attempt to exalt themselves against your knowledge of God. The enemy comes to you and says, you're not saved. Uh, a few of you have held up your hand for salvation. God bless you. And I'm going to tell you, it's the new converts that have to deal with this the most. I'd like to think as a Christian, you've been a Christian long enough that, that you've already got this victory. 
But over and over, the enemy will come to you and he'll say something like, well, you're not really saved and God really doesn't love you and, and the blood of Jesus Christ is not enough to forgive you of that and of that and of that and, and you're guilty and you're condemned. And what is he doing? He's coming against your knowledge of God because you know God does love you. You know the blood of Jesus Christ is more than enough to forgive you. And you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You, you know that you're a child. Are you with me? And so now what is he doing? He's coming against your knowledge of God. And what you've got to do is you've got to cast down those imaginations using the Word of God. And the Word of God says, God does love me. Uh, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Uh, I know that I'm a child of God. As far as the east is from the west, is that east? Is that west? Whatever. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed my sin from me. You might say amen. Uh, never to return to the memory of God. Remind him of what God has done for you. And don't let him bring that imagination, that argument against your knowledge of God. You've got to cast it down. You've got to use the weapons of God. If you will, Ephesians 6 and 18, prayer and the, and the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, those are our weapons. 1 Timothy 1 and 18, we, we've got to wage the good warfare. You've got to fight the fight. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Enter into the battle. You know, if you were a boxer, you're boxing, and you stop for a moment and say, hey, dude, okay, let me, let me show you. If you'll hit me right here in my, in my jaw, it's going to move my jaw back, and it's going to hit that carotid artery. It's going to temporarily uh, cut the flow of blood to my brain, and it's going to knock me out. And if you'll hit me just right there. What did I just become? I became a traitor to my own boxing match. Here, you hit me here. And over and over, we see Christians like David. David became a traitor to his own spiritual fall. Remember with me, he was, standing, he was at home on a day that the kings are going out to battle. He looks down and sees a woman bathing. When he sees Bathsheba naked bathing, he should have gone, oh, I don't need to look at that. That's wrong. But what did he do? He kept looking. Next thing you know, he took it to the next step and he invited her. And so then he plans, plots, carries out a interaction with Bathsheba, has sex with her, has a baby. He brings about his own spiritual demise. Are you with me? He became his own traitor. Let me tell you, men, when you start going to those websites and looking at the porn, you become your own spiritual traitor. Are you with me? You're bringing about your own demise. It's a spiritual battle that's fighting, but you've got to engage. You've got to fight. Amen. If you will, uh, Scripture tells us in the continuation of this battle, if you'll note with me, 1 Timothy 6 and 12, fight the good fight of faith. Revelation 12 and 11, we want to defeat Satan. How? With the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Let me tell you, you've got a testimony. If you're a Christian, you've got a testimony. Uh, think with me in your mind, where were you saved? When were you saved? Mine was Home Gardens Assembly of God Church, West Tulsa. Uh, seven years old, vacation Bible school. Uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, Sand Springs, First Assembly of God Church, 19 years old, sitting on the front pew, thinking that baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, is only for the old people and little old ladies. But the reality is God got a hold of me during praise and worship time. Nobody was praying around me. I was just worshiping the Lord. That's why worship so a passion for me. Because I was worshiping the Lord. Next thing I knew, I wasn't worshiping in English. I just kept worshiping Him, worshiping Him. And I'm going to tell you that 
is what God wants for every one of us, not just me, but for every one of us. And that is my testimony. The enemy comes against me and I say, I am a child of God. I know who I am. I am anointed with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, God is my power. Uh, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. I've got my witness and I can plead the blood of the Lamb. Now, please listen to me. I know that's an old phrase for some of you. Some of you know exactly what I'm saying, but we need to get back to pleading the blood of the Lamb. Uh, plead the blood of the Lamb over your home, over your family, over your marriage, over your kids, your grandkids. Plead the blood. Because the blood is something that reminds Satan of what Jesus accomplished on Calvary. On Calvary, Jesus destroyed all the works of the devil. Amen. Amen. And the blood of the Lamb reminds him he's a defeated foe. Jesus destroyed him. So a battle is raging. Open our eyes. Open our eyes to seek God as we should. Open our eyes to have an understanding of the age that we live and that that's going on around us. Number two, enter into the battle that is raging. And number three, it's time to stand firm. Stand immovable for Jesus Christ. One of the things I believe very openly is this. All of us know what our weaknesses are. You know, I know what mine are, and you know what yours are. I mean, if you're really honest, now you can play super religious and all that stuff. I had no weakness, there's no weakness in me, you know. Uh, okay, go fool yourself and go sell over in the corner. The reality is all the rest of us have weaknesses. I know what mine is. I can tell you beyond a shadow of doubt, I was never tempted by alcohol, never, drugs never was a temptation to me because I was in physical fitness early on, and, and it was just something that never tempted me. Other things did. And, and the reality is, it's none of your business what my weakness is. Amen? And it's none of my business what your weakness is. Honestly, I don't want to hear about it. Amen? Thank God we don't do confession. <laughs> Man, I, I, I'd be part of the priesthood I wouldn't want any part of. Thank God we don't do that. We don't confess to the preacher, we confess to the master. But you need to identify your weakness, though, because the reality is the enemy is going to try to use that weakness to bring you down. Now, notice with me, standing firm, verse 18, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. In other words, that you'll join right in with the others committed to Christ. See, the reality is there's all levels of commitment in this room. And what we need is all to be able to come to the place where we say, I want to be a part of the sanctified. I want to join in with those that are the most committed. Now, have any of us arrived? No. None of us. See, the only bad thing about having a peak is, look, you only got one place to go, and that's down. There's no peaking out in this Christian walk. It, that's why it's called a walk. That's why it's called growing, because we're constantly moving. The fact is, is this, I'm wanting to draw closer and closer and get it more and more like Jesus. Can anybody say amen? Is that your goal? If it is your goal, say amen. If you're a Christian, it should be your goal. I want to be more and more like Jesus, and I want to be less and less like me. And many times, wherever I am, I, I look at myself here, and I tend to get discouraged because I look at Jesus, and I see Jesus, man, he's perfect in all of his ways, and man, he is powerful, and, and I, I see Jesus in all of his wisdom and knowledge and, and all that he represents, and I look at me, and I go, man, look how far I've got to go, and I tend to get discouraged. And what I need to do is this, and this is what I do. I look on my shoulder and see where I came from. 
I'm not yet where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I was. And that's the hour that we live that we need to be able to say, I want to be a part of the sanctified. I want to join in with those that are truly sold out, committed, standing firm for Jesus Christ. If you will, the English version, sins forgiven and received their place among God's chosen people. Your sins are forgiven. Now get your place. Get your place standing side by side, shoulder to shoulder with other believers. It is so important that we know that we've got somebody we can count on. So critical that you recognize you're not in this alone. Uh, all of us, all of us have problems. All of us have temptation. All of us have weaknesses. But the reality is this. It's so good to look over here and say, brother, I'm with you. Sister, I'm with you. We're in this together. We're going to make it. So this is where Jesus wants you and me to be. Salvation is a transformation. Look, Romans 12 and 2. It's, it tells us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transform comes from the Greek word where we get the English word metamorphosis. Let there literally be a metamorphosis of your mind, like a, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Let there be this metamorphosis of your mind being transformed through salvation. Uh, salvation is getting rid of sin. First Corinthians, do, do, not, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then it gives a list of sin. I would challenge you to read that scripture that, and the context of 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. It is so specific. It talks about homosexuality. And, it, and it's so detailed with homosexuality. It talks about the one that takes on the male characteristics and the one that takes on the female. And it tells us that both are wrong. So we're living in a culture that is trying to get us to accept things that God says is wrong. And the fact is, is this, wrong is wrong, and it doesn't change with time. Our culture may change. The influence of some churches may change. But it broke my heart, the, the vote that was just taken a, a couple of weeks ago from a church, and, and they're stepping out of the movement because they want to honor homosexual pastors. We're living in that culture. I see that as those that are not standing. That's a beautiful example of not standing. Uh, if you will, please, Galatians 5 and 17 says, for the, lust, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. In other words, there's this battle going on. So Christians must stop trying to coexist with the world. The world is never going to accept you. The world hates us, just like the world hated Christ. And the reality is we've got to come out of the world and be different. We've got to quit rationalizing sin. We've got to stand for what is right. You can't condone it. You can't endorse it. You can't promote it. Things that we yesterday stood against, today we're condoning, we're endorsing, and we're promoting. And God help us. Christians must be willing to allow conviction to bring God's change. God wants to bring change to every one of us. If you'll note 1 Peter 1 and 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. See, I see God doing a, a work in these last days. I see God doing a work in Lone Grove Assembly of God Church. I thank God for, for where you are, and I thank God for where he's wanting to take you. But I'm going I'm to preach Jesus to you. Jesus is telling you, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Open your eyes to how you see God and how you're seeking him. 
I mean, you individually, it's time. Open your eyes. Open your eyes and be aware of the conditions around us. Uh, There are a lot of people lost and going to hell. Let me tell you, we need to be the church reaching out to the lost. Well, uh, our, our mission statement should be this. I'm here for the purpose of increasing the population of heaven and decreasing the population of hell. That's why we exist. God help us. I want the Lord to be able to allow us all to get engaged in the warfare. There, there needs to be no one sitting on the side. There's no neutral position. You're in the battle. And you're either defeated or, or you're victorious. It's time for, and, and let me be blunt and honest because I feel God just directing me. It's time for this church to quit being a, a victim and start being a victor. You're not a victim. You're not a victim. Your commanding general is Jesus Christ. He's far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion. He's name above every name. He is Lord of all. At the mention of his name, demons flee. He gives purpose. He gives meaning. He gives direction. He gives fulfillment. He makes life worth living. He gives life and life abundantly. He is the one that we serve. He is the one that we seek. Can you say amen? Quit being a victim. You're a victor through Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Open our eyes. See the war that is raging and stand firm. It's time for us to make a sold-out commitment that there is nothing, nothing going to take me away from the Lord. We're living in a culture where there are people dying every day because of their commitment to Christ. I, I follow the, the voice of the martyrs. And I, I, I would recommend if anybody ever wants to take a day trip, go to Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And, and not everybody knows this, but there's this huge compound in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, that is called Voice of the Martyrs. They don't publicize it a lot, but they had their headquarters in downtown Bartlesville in a building, and there were so many bomb death threats by the Muslims that they had to move it outside the city in a, I think it's probably about 50 acre, 100, it's very huge, compound. And when you go on the compound, you have to go through metal detectors, you go through a guard gate, you go through all of this security because this is a ministry that's in the crosshairs of Islam, Voice of the Martyr, and it's in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And when you go there and tour it, and I would really recommend you, you, you got to see it. On the outside wall, there's this covered by all these names, so many, and it's too many to number. But when you look at it, the very first one is Stephen. It's all the martyrs. Acts chapter 7, Stephen was the first one. And there are people every day in Muslim countries being killed because of their stand for Christ. It makes me as an American, honestly, feel kind of like a sissy, a weakling. Because I live in a cult, in a country that I can proclaim my faith in Christ. I live in a country that I can come behind a pulpit. You're paying my expenses and I, I, I'm getting paid to be able to come and do this. Are you with me? Yeah. 
makes me feel like a kind of a cushy sissy. Don't take that as an insult, but I feel kind of weakling. Those guys are doing it at the threat of their life. It's time for us to recognize how good we've got it here in America. And it's time for us to take a stand for Jesus Christ regardless. You know, we, we get a thumbnail scratch, and, oh, I go, I'm going to give up on faith in Christ. Get over that. Don't let anything take you from your commitment to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. I think I've preached to you enough. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your hope. Thank you that in you we find our life. Thank you, Lord, that you are our reason for living. May our eyes be open this morning. May we heed your message. May we understand and may we see where we are personally in our, in our vision of you and how we're seeking you. May our eyes be open, Father. We want the truth. I pray that, Lord, with this understanding this morning, that you'd search out across this congregation every heart. And, Lord, I pray that you would draw, draw to you. Father, there's a battle raging, and may we be willing to get involved. May we not try to sit on the sideline. But, Lord, may we recognize that we're already enlisted. And, Father, may we stand. May we stand immovable, ever abounding in our faith in you. With eyes closed, heads bowed, I want to give an opportunity for someone to accept Christ. And it may be someone that is accepting Christ for the first time, or it may be someone coming back to Christ. Or it may be someone that recognizes, I need to renew my commitment to Christ because I want to live for him. You're here this, this morning. I'd love to have a prayer with you, with you seated right there. I, no one's going to be looking around. It's going to be between you, me, and God. And I, I just want to lead you in a sinner's prayer. I can't make receiving a gift too easy. It's a gift. And so there's no way I can make receiving a gift too easy. There's no strings. You accept Christ. If you're here this morning, you want to rededicate your life to Christ or you want to accept him for the first time, I'd love to have a prayer with you. And you're here and you say, Pastor Gary, I want to take part in that prayer. Would you hold up your hand? Now's the time. You're here this morning. God bless you, young man. I, I see your hand. You can put it down. Is there any others? You want to join this young man and either rededicate your life or accept Christ your very first time. Any others? I'm going to ask also, you're here this morning. You love the Lord, you're living for Jesus, but you realize this morning that you need to enter into the spiritual battle. There's a battle raging not only for you, but also your family, and you need to enlist in the warfare. Would you hold up your hand wherever you are? You just realize, man, I need to fight more. I need to fight more. Thank God for all those hands. Thank God for all those hands. I need to enter into the fight. I need to fight more for my family. I need to fight more. I want to ask you, if you would, please, I'm going to lead this sinner's prayer for this one young man that's accepting Christ. And I'd like to ask every Christian to follow with me and let's together lead him to Christ. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you died for me 
I believe you rose again. Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and help me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And to God be the glory, amen. Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to give an altar call this morning. And in this altar call, I always go for 100%. I believe that God's house is a house of prayer. And I believe if there's anything that should take place in God's house, it should be prayer. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. And this is what I'm challenging you with. When you respond to this altar call, you're saying, I want my eyes open. I want to have an understanding of how I need to seek Jesus. I want to have an understanding of who He is. He is God. I want to be able to have my eyes open to be aware of the culture that, that I live in, all the extremes. I want my eyes open. Another challenge of this altar call is I want to enlist in the battle. I want to fight for my marriage. I want to fight for my kids. I want to fight for my grandkids. My heart breaks for one of my grandsons that is turning his back on Christ. And my heart breaks for him. I got five grandsons and one of them needs to come back to Christ. And it breaks my heart, but I'm fighting for him. I'm not giving up on him. But maybe in the, your response to this altar, you're saying, I'm, I'm going I'm to fight. And another response is this, and that is that you're going to stand firm. You're going to stand firm for Christ regardless. I don't care if it's at work. I don't care if it's in your family. I don't care if it's in your neighborhood. Wherever anybody comes against you and your commitment to Christ, you're going to stand firm regardless. I want to invite you, if you would, let's find a place to pray. You either come around the front, turn and make an altar there where you are, whatever you feel most comfortable with, let's seek God together. Father, right now we turn this into a prayer meeting. Around the front, standing, kneeling. God is just heart seeking you. We're coming right now before your throne and, and Lord, we want our eyes, our eyes open. We want to heed your message. Lord, open our eyes. May we have an understanding of you and may we see you as you are and seek you as we should. May we have an understanding of, of the world around us, Lord. We don't want to be blind. We want our eyes open. Father, we enlist in the battle. There's a battle raging between light and dark and Lord, we know there's no being neutral. So Lord, we engage and we become a part of the, the battle enlisted with Christ. We want to be a part of the light, conquering the darkness, Lord. We enter in the battle. And Father, this morning we're going to stand. We're going to stand immovable. No matter what influence, no matter what ploy the enemy, no matter what attack against our commitment, Lord, we make a pledge to stand.
Thank you, Father. Congregation, would you stand with me, please? Father, we thank you for the stirring of your Holy Spirit and thank you for obedient hearts. Thank you for the drawing of your presence and, and God, we pray your blessing, your blessing upon your people, your keeping. And Father, we pray that you'd bring us back tonight and, and God bless the afternoon, keep us in the center of your perfect will. And Lord, may we be a testimony for you. And Lord, may we see the building of your kingdom through this church. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless your heart. Bless your heart. Thank you for being here.